uh, once you create a policy, let's say on a particular floor for some type of network, we could almost have AI recommend the right policies for you for your entire digital enterprise. How have you enabled your infrastructure fundamental change over the last five years and partnering with the business is critical. The tools exist on the cloud, change at the rate necessary, secure by design. Network Disrupted. Hey, it's Andrew and welcome to Network Disrupted, where IT leaders talk about navigating the disruption in our industry. In this episode, we talk about what merit analytics, or rather the dirty words artificial intelligence, has in the context of digital transformation. My guest today is Vishal Gupta, CTO at Unisys, the 100-year-old IT company we all grew up around. Unisys has recently gone through fairly significant and positive transformation, which is something Vishal has been focused on since he joined in 2018. Vishal also has a really big interest in how talent impacts any business plan, so we spend some time talking about that in this episode. Let me know what your thoughts are. You can tweet me at Network Disrupted, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or email me at andrew at networkdisrupted.com. So Vishal, thank you for joining us. Um, really looking forward to this conversation. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You know, I, I'm, I'm very careful, for instance, at, at Blue Cat in my role of not leading with analytics or AI in terms of why our products are good, because it's not the fact that we have analytics that make them differentiated. It's, it's what what the outcomes are and what value we can create. Um, and and I worry that in the industry, too many companies are sort of leading with um, ours is better because we have analytics or we have AI or we have ML or we have whatever, as opposed to it it being a um, a consistent strategy across many different things that's driving outcomes. So I think firstly, I want to completely agree with you that, um, you know, some of these technologies get hyped so much you know we've seen that with blockchain to some extent it's with ai as well right which actually can act as a deterrent uh ultimately to progress because these are means to an end these are not end on its own right these are all about driving the right outcome right um you know i spent a lot of years prior to unisys at semantic and there was the time in the security industry where every vendor would talk about hey my security is better because I use AI. Then everybody started using saying I had AI, and then they start talking about the size of the data lake, right? So it just kind of uh, was a was a nonsensical journey. Now, having said that, you know I do believe there is a very real um, and compelling use cases for AI. If you look at uh, you know the the IDC report, it sort of shows the overall spend on AI and cognitive to grow from almost 24 billion in 18 to 77 billion in 22, which is a huge CAGR of over 37%. So, so we know this is there is something real there. The question is, what are those outcomes uh, that could be real? Uh, what things can AI do today uh, that actually can, uh, you know, in, can create some interesting things? Right. And AI is very good at things like classification and comparison. Yes. So we use the classification capability in AI to really not just discover different types of digital uh, equipment, but categorize what type of equipment it is. So now we know, okay, you've got so many switches, so many routers, so many different types of equipment. And then through comparison, uh, once you create a policy, let's say on a particular floor for some type of network, 
we could almost have AI recommend the right policies for you for your entire digital enterprise, right? So that way you do something once and it sort of reinforced says the learning it learns from it says, okay, just like Amazon can say based on the books you read, which others you might like, based upon the policies you you applied, which others, you know, which other equipment with similar policies applied. Right. The second, uh, I think very, um, again, low hanging fruit uh, in the world of AI is uh, using AI uh, to really improve your customer experience and sales and support process. Because no matter what business you're in, even if you're in a nonprofit, you'll have a certain set of customers who you interact with. So for example, you know, these days, uh, as we've seen with uh, natural language processing, uh, whether you leverage it from an Alexa or from a Google, there's a lot of advances, right? So in the way that you interact with your customers, you know, you should be able to leverage AI to essentially build out intelligent chatbots, uh, which can both reduce the cost and provide a better experience uh, to know, you know, when to escalate to a human, when to be able to answer the questions that a customer uh, is having or employees having, and to be able to, you know, essentially sort of get to this holy grail of uh, both cheaper and better, right? Usually it's one or the other. So this whole thing around uh, natural language processing NLP uh, and mixing that with automation and AI can, I think, give almost a 30 to 40% improvement in, in the way you interact with your employees or customers in terms of answering their questions and, uh, you know, without them having to wait uh, as they used to have to in the past in a call center environment. Right. But then also, and I think, I think this is the key, also, it's something else you're collecting data about or something else you can measure. And, and I think that, um, you know, that becomes the reservoir. That becomes, you know, you now want to measure something else, some level of, of customer engagement, for instance, or customer success, or, you know, understand where, where, for instance, your customers are, are asking questions, you know, in any way you can measure those, those conversations, those interactions can lead to different, for instance, product strategies or some understanding of what, what, where your customers are struggling or where there might be opportunities based on the sorts of things they're asking. And, and yes, for sure, through natural language, but, you know, we do it on everything from, um, you know, I mean, all of our, all of our customer interactions with with customer support for instance these are things that can drive a lot of intelligence on on what's going on in the market and uh and yeah so it's just it's it's this hunger for for data and then i think companies both have to leverage that in services like you know you mentioned certainly on the on the nlp side leverage it, not build their own, but also I think need a strategy in general for how they're going to collect data and utilize that data from everything from health of systems and services and security, but also, um, you know, higher level customer interactions and those things as well. I think just that mindset of everything we build and deploy needs to be measurable, observable, um, needs to give us the telemetry so that we can figure out anything based on it, right? 
Andrew, very well said, and I 100% agree, because, you know, any journey with AI is going to be uh, a journey, right? Right. What really interests me is how we assure that the system is working based on the customer's intent. And that requires, and this is, I, th I think this is a key part of it. You, you can't just, you know, it, to build these systems, you need the data. It's It's the whatever the network data effect or the data network effect, you know, you need data in order to analyze the data, to understand, to build strategies, to get more data. And the more data you get, the better your, your value can be, the more value you can generate. And so a big thing companies struggle with, I think is how do they get that data? How do they get the data from the customers? How do they get enough data in order to make the analytics meaningful? You know, as you continuously gather a lot of data, the ability to do clustering and get insights from the data about questions that you don't even know, right, is very compelling. The one thing I would add is that in addition to the focus on data, you know, we have also seen, for example, that many times people focus so much on getting the data, cleaning the data that they don't put sometimes enough focus on, you know, what would be the most compelling use cases, let's say once they had the data, right? What are the, the most important problems? So I think it's a question of a nice balance. They need to sort of also know which things are going to be truly, um, you know, are going to truly move the needle, uh, which are the most important questions, and then how do you get the data to be able to either answer or refine those most important questions? And then I think the only other thing I would add is that uh, the, the world of AI is a journey, right? Because even once you have a large set of data, essentially what you are doing with AI is to predict with a certain confidence interval, uh, let's say as part of a prediction and answer, right? And obviously the more data you get, the more accurate your predictions can be. But AI can also suffer from things like what's called false positives, which means you are saying something is true. Let's say you're at a border crossing and you're saying, hey, this person might be a problem and you're flagging these people. Now, maybe you are always able to get the bad people, but you also end up getting, you know, 10 good people for every bad person you get. So you end up creating a lot of lines. So in the world of AI, I think the amount of data is very key to make sure that both the accuracy and the false positives, accuracy is high and false positives are low. Um, but then you also need to know what are the right use cases that you're really after. And yes, I agree with the points you made, and and, and I've I've certainly seen examples of um, of um, you know it, part of it's just just systems in general, right? So I'm going to use AI or whatever to optimize this part of a system to make it leaner, faster, cheaper, whatever the case. But what's the knock-on impact effect on its related systems? And you gave a good example with with lines, you know. So if I make this way faster, um, given it may have false positives or whatever effect it might have, does does the next thing in the system need to change as well? And um, and I don't think people, I think people do local optimization or, or think more often about local optimization than system optimization. Are, are we really optimizing the right point on the system? Um, you know, to 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 meet our, our requirements, and it always comes back to requirements. I mean, what are we trying to do as a business? The, the the exploratory side of data, you know, I have no idea what I might find. Let me just play is a swimming pool. I like to jump into a lot, but yeah, that's just one piece of the 
of the puzzle. But I think I think the exploratory piece is 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 um, is quite interesting. Yeah, I think one of the areas that I've seen a lot of promise in AI is an area called anomaly detection. So AI is very good at finding patterns, right? So it can say, hey, no human can, you know, really digest data coming from, you know, say if you've got 50 or 80,000 devices, right? Very hard to sort of understand what's going on. But AI is good at that, right? They, it can figure out the data that's coming from lots of different devices and say, you know, this particular device never was connecting with something else and transmitting this level of data, right? Something strange is going on, and that could be very helpful in security, for example, right? So there's, there's problems that AI is very good at solving based upon all the things we've seen, and there's ones that are more, I would say, exploratory in nature, you know, when you start talking about the bias or the right data not being clean or, or you know, not having the right sort of signals that you, you've collected as part of it. So that's where I think the balance comes in, to neither hype AI not to be so afraid of it that you don't leverage it, right? That's where the balanced approach is needed. Yeah, no, sure. And and anomaly detection is 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 it's certainly um, uh, a very interesting area to us as well. Um, you know, as as we look at, um, I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, in the world of DNS, a user-driven device peels off four or five thousand queries in a day to spread across a variety of different domains, split across worky type stuff and you know what what you might be doing during lunch hour type stuff. And uh, and all of a sudden if that number changes dramatically or if it skews towards a certain type of domain or single domain or two or three domains, it becomes obvious pretty quickly to a human looking at it. You don't necessarily even need AI, but but you know to to get finer differences you you certainly do and that's that's where where we think about it a lot you know what is what is the baseline what's normal and how can i spot an anomaly let's hit the talent question again it's a conversation i have i have quite often and and, and certainly as, as we've gone through our journey at 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 blue cat or or um um you know as I, as I look at at what my customers are investing in you know you, you it brings up this conversation over and over and over again um how do we how do we ensure that we have the talent base um, to drive whether we're talking about security or data driven strategies or digital transformation in general? Um, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think this is a, a great topic um, that you're asking because ultimately, you know, I think your talent, your ability to attract the talent, retain the talent, engage the talent is going to be the biggest factor uh, that determines whether you know your business plan is going to be successful or not and so uh, we take this area perhaps as the most serious area in terms of the driver for success you know when i joined as i mentioned about a year and a half back we looked at you know we've got about uh, a couple thousand engineers spread about through six technology centers and you know I did a sort of inventory around, you know, what skills do we have versus what do we need in this new world to be successful? And as we, you know, talked with a lot of analysts, talked, did a lot of internal brainstorming, talked to our board, we figured there were five key technology competencies that we wanted to develop. And we created sort of these five cross-functional teams to create the content for what we would call as a learning track. Each of the learning tracks ended up having about 20 pieces of content, which took about eight hours to digest. 
And we sort of thought, okay, you know, every two months people could do one learning track. And so over the year, they could do the five learning tracks. And we weren't quite sure, you know, what level of adoption we will get. Uh, but we wanted to kind of see, you know, how our team would respond to it. We wanted to measure everything as we discussed with data. So we wanted to, as soon as people finished any of the, either the learning track or the component of the learning track, we wanted them to kind of, you know, quickly give us feedback on a, on a, on a survey, you know, one to 10, how, how, how effective was the content. We were blown away by three things. One, uh, people actually adopted this uh, far more vigorously than we thought. And that was because they realized, right, knowledge is key. Uh, we can't give them uh, job security, but they can get career security if they got the right skills, right? So these things gave them sort of the right skills and they, they really resonated with it. Uh, number two, they gave us a lot of feedback. We very quickly figured out which content was good, which was not, and we drove this continuous improvement. And so ultimately, we ended up having almost a 9.3 on a scale of 10 for the overall content that got developed. So we were very pleased with that. And third, instead of it taking 10 months, which we thought is the time we'd given for people to do it, uh, the average person got this done in seven months, right? So they actually embraced this far faster than we thought. And so that was the year one of our journey. Now we're sort of developing what we call as the intermediate and advanced learning tracks in these areas to be taken by a subset of the people instead of all the people who are interested in it. Um, and obviously we brought, you know, some talent from the outside as well. You know, I, and I, I think that's, that's great. And it, it's, 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 it's almost, you know, um, you need that combination, certainly learning, and then certainly, um, if there's areas where there's not enough experience, where you can't have mentoring as part of that learning, for instance, and there's a little bit of hiring, but yeah, I, 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 I you know, I, I think when you, when you, when talent becomes people, when, when you're now working with individuals and those individuals have career ambitions and learning ambitions and, um, and, and you're making this less, you're making it. It, it more about more real, you know, more about the people that you have on the teams and aligning what you need as a company with what those, where those people want to grow. And, and really, I, I think Nirvana is when, when you're, you're able to match your need for certain skills and capabilities with the desires and ambitions of an employee base. Now, now you have the ingredients you need to transform what that employee base may be able to do and at the same time create a great deal of engagement because you have people and those those people are 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 immersed in in this this learning journey as well yeah i think it's well said and actually that's our focus this year because i think one thing we did well and one thing i would say we didn't do well the thing we did well was we got everybody super excited and kind of trained up on these things uh, the thing that I think we're going to try to do better this year is to really do that match between the areas people are more interested in and where there's a business need and get them trained up in those areas. So, you know, their new skills match with the work they're doing. And so we wanted to make sure everybody had a base set of skills, which now they do. And now I think for the next step in the journey, we'll uh, hopefully do exactly what you're saying, which is try to, you know, make see if we can uh, drive their interest with alignment with the the next step of knowledge with the alignment of the work that we know we'll have for them this year 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, but before before it, it, I mean, just at the very basic level, like in in software organizations, you know, you you can't grow. There's no business need to grow 100 software architects. There is a business need to grow a couple, and then also grow some principal engineers and some you know other very senior roles. And and um, right. And so it's I think it's people's desires, their competencies, and it it. it it's you know frankly it's part of the digital transformation journey as well is is um, you know what 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 tools and what data can I use to to help solve for this but but at some level I think it's just what's changed in um, in employee engagement and things like um, you know career plans um, and and that alignment I think is super difficult to do but it goes into who you're trying to recruit as well. You know, if you if you're if you're specifically if you're adding net new people on teams, then then um, then you know where do where do those net new people want to grow in their career is is a is a crucial part of it. Um, but uh, but I think um, I think that part of what makes a company successful is is something that that um, oftentimes isn't top of mind and, and should be top of mind. Um, a, a prior guest, David Markwell, said it really well um, when, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what these technologies are. There are people that are doing these things. There are people that are implementing. There are people that are understanding business requirements. There are people that are making decisions. And uh, um, and as as employers, I think that's that's a critical part of what we do. Well, fantastic! It's it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think, you know, the, these topics certainly, certainly employees and and people and talent, um, but but you know, artificial intelligence in general and um, uh, and and security is 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 something that we will be talking about for for many many years. To say the the absolute obvious. I, I really enjoyed it as well, Andrew. I think it's very fascinating what you've done at Blue Cat, and uh, congratulations there on all the progress as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you for listening. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode, and I'm all ears if you have a guest recommendation. You can tweet at Network Disrupted, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or email me at andrew at networkdisrupted.com. Network Disrupted.